darkness falls across the land. The midnight hour is close at hand. Creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorize your neighborhood. And whosoever shall be found without the soul for getting down must stand and face the hounds of hell and rot inside a corpse's shell. The foulest stenches in the air, the funk of 40,000 years, and grisly ghouls from every tomb are closing in to seal your doom. And though you fight to stay alive, your body starts to shiver. For no mere mortal can resist the evil of the thriller. <laughs> Talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we know what's happening. We talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we call Superfan podcast, the spookiest and most ghoulish Superman-centric podcast to ever haunt your inner ear. I am one of your hosts, Alan Bork. Get it? And I am joined as always, as always, by Dublin's newest haunted house homeowner himself, Mr. Rob O'Connor. Yeah, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you bought a house, Rob. Oh yeah, I did. I did. I did buy a house. We, 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 we. Hopefully, hopefully, sans poltergeists and ghouls. Oh, don't even. Yeah, that's that. That'll be the next thing we have to pay through the nose to fix. <laughs> I don't think our listeners have. Me and Alan talk a lot about the the perils of of owning a home and uh, you know how much it all costs. And I think Alan's been dealing with that for a lot longer than I have. I'm I'm just now starting to face the harsh realities of all these things you have to address when you've bought a secondhand home. But we're delighted. Like there's so few people our age in this country, uh, in our like income bracket, are able to afford housing. So the fact that we've managed that is 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 a feat in itself. So we we are very happy. Yeah, but it's it's also very scary and and horrible yeah. all the money you have to pay. Yeah, but like you know, inner city Dublin, you know, yeah. well done, congratulations, it's 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 great. We uh, Smallville House, as we call it, is nearly done. Six weeks, I'm hoping, will be Woo. in. Um, the the floors went in today. The kitchen is ordered. Uh, so yeah, so by New Year, we'll both be recording, hopefully from uh, New Digs. Yeah, absolutely. Are are you gonna have a storm cellar in Smallville House? No, there's no storm cellar. There's an attic. Uh, there might be a secret bookcase door. Uh, and other than that, uh, no, no, we're going to keep it pretty uh, low key. I'm uh, really my, excited my, about the secret bookcase. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> my my good lady wife told me I could keep all the crap I want in the house as long as it can all fit in one room. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good rule. I like that. It is a pretty good rule. And um, before we get into it, guys, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at All Star Super Fa- at All Star Super Fan on on Twitter at All Star Super Pod. You can also uh, send an email or voice note to All Star Super Pod at gmail.com and be in with a chance of being included in in a future Metropolis mailbag. Please 
also remember to rate and review the podcast wherever you listen uh, reviews especially apple reviews really help us out uh, help to get the word of the podcast around guys um, we'd really appreciate that we have some lovely reviews on itunes already um i signed up i finally took your advice and signed up to a vpn uh, not too long ago uh, i've been enjoying the fruits of uh, us netflix so all the justice league cartoons justice league unlimited i've gone back watched a couple of supergirl episodes adventures with superman so i'm plowing through superman content on uh, on, on on netflix us but uh, the reason i bring it up is because i was actually able to read the uh, us reviews on itunes ah yeah which i couldn't read before yeah. and they've been up for about two years we've got maybe i don't know 15 or 20 reviews there and it's uh no it, it's really nice when people take the time out of the day to, to to do that um so rob before we begin this is a special uh, bonus halloween episode of all-star superfan let's talk about halloween show the world let them know it's halloween and if anyone knows what that refers to, uh, you, you get a free no prize award. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you a Halloween man? Are you a Halloween fan? Is it one of your favorite holidays? Once one of your least liked holidays? Where where do you stand on Halloween? Alan, you know me well enough by now. Yeah, no, I love Halloween. Absolutely love Halloween. I, I, I arguably like Halloween more than Christmas, to be honest. Um, especially because you kind of celebrate it for the whole month now. I, I think I, I like to try and do do loads of Halloweeny stuff throughout October and not and not just on the night itself, uh, which kind of comes and goes really quickly, you know. So we try and watch like horror movies as much as we can throughout October, and uh, we, we you know it, it it's getting harder now as we get older. Like people are less interested in costume parties and stuff. But if there is something like that on, we do try to go to those. And there's always like great screenings of things throughout the month as well. Uh, the Lighthouse Cinema here in Dublin is great for that, and uh, we we went to Scooby Doo there the other week, and there was people dressed up, um, and yeah, I mean it got pretty crazy there during COVID. Didn't get to do as much sort of celebrating, but like we dressed up every year from home, and we were doing like Zoom parties and stuff, watching scary movies and stuff. So it's funny, like growing up, I was never into horror. Um, it's something that I really got into in my twenties, but I was always into you know dressing up in costumes and stuff like that. So yeah, I've always been a big Halloween fan. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm the same. I, I never liked Halloween as a kid. Uh, I wasn't big into like trick-or-treating, which is a real American thing that has kind of caught on here in the last few years. Um, obviously, in Ireland, we kind of do the British kind of thing with the bonfires and that as well, yeah. which I was never big into. Um, and did, did you trick-or-treat as a kid, though, no? I, I, I went out a couple of times, but it's like me with cosplay. I just yeah. I never took to it. I never liked knocking on someone's door. Even as a kid, I felt like I was just intruding on their privacy or something. <laughs> I just didn't like it at all. Because um, like I, I, I'm fascinated. I, I did always trick or treat, but I remember my parents telling me that, oh, no, this is an American thing. That's only be- it's only really become a thing in the 90s. Like, but I, I, I always knew it growing up. It was never like something that I didn't do or whatever, you know. But I, I loved, I, I grew to love it um, as I grew older. There, there's In my um, local town, Tremor, there's a pub, The Vic. They always have these great costume parties. I remember going for years in my uh, in my early 20s and stuff. And then when I met my good lady wife, uh, Stacey Jean, she was an avid horror fan. Um, and it was a huge part of our first date. I don't know if I ever told that story about how I had basically, you know, pretended that I was crazy into sport um, and to, to go on a date with her and completely lied, listened to the radio and and, and, and tried to remember everything that they were saying about this big, uh, this big sports match that was coming up so I could regurgitate it. And then when we were out having dinner and a couple of beers, uh, she started talking about horror movies and how she loved Freddy Krueger and Nightmare on Elm Street. And I just 
lied through my teeth and told her I loved it. <laughs> and she was like, oh, we should go down to the local video store and get the box set and go home back to my house and watch it. And I was like, well, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So I ended up dropping like 80 quid on the Freddy Krueger box set. And that was our, our first date was going back and, and, and watching those movies. Um, pretty good box set. Pretty good box set. I remember at the time it was like 80 quid. She was she was like, uh, there's seven of them. And I was like, there's, there's seven of these? <laughs> things <laughs> yeah. um, but like I have a lot of nostalgia now for the first one uh, because yeah. of that and some of the sequels the third one is arguably my favourite um, but we kind of incorporated Halloween in a big way into our uh, relationship we threw these uh, great Halloween parties kind of when we moved in together Class. fancy dress all done up did the house from top to bottom um, and we, we used to have friends over and friends to travel for and we used to have these great weekends for Halloween um, and we haven't really done it again getting back to the house situation me and Stacey are renting this little cottage at the moment so all our Halloween stuff has kind of been in storage for the last few years and we mm. haven't had any of these parties or anything like that. But yeah, huge, huge Halloween. And like Ireland and Halloween go together like, you know, turkey and ham, really. Like, you know, the Samhain is, you know, a pagan holiday heavily connected to Ireland. Um, not pronounced Sam Hain. Sam Hain, my goodness What gracious. is that about? <laughs> oh, these idiots, these idiots. Every time Donald Pleasant says Sam Hain in those movies, a little part of my... Irish soul dies. It what is, is it? Halloween two? Is it? It's in all of them. I think in I think in all, however many Halloween movies they say Sam Hain somewhere, and and then Supernatural, a show I love. There is an actual character in it called Sam Hain, and it's like, what yeah. are you doing, guys? Like you can pronounce it differently. Like some people call it Howan, some people call it Sowan. Uh, like so, how, I, I'm, how a fluent, I'm a fluent Irish speaker, Alan. Right? The the word is Sowan. S A M H A I N which refers to autumn, okay? So, Samhain me- literally means autumn. Um, and Iha Hauna, which is the Irish for Halloween, that, 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 that is like the, the All Hallows' Eve, literally. It's the, 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 night, the, the night before the autumn is basically what that uh, translates to. And Iha Hauna, it takes what we call a shevu, which is the H, which is added on. When, when, when two uh, nouns come together, we have a thing called the Tishul Ginejuk, which happens, which is why some you'll, you'll hear some people say Hauna, and some people say it's sound, but, but what it actually is is sound on its own and iha hauna when the two words come together. And now all of our listenership has disappeared. But the fact remains, it is not and has never been called Sam Hain. Other languages use the Latin ab- alphabet differently to English. Get over it. <laughs> because uh, th- those Halloween films can really lean, in, lean into that in Halloween 2 and then Halloween 3 especially. Now, I know yeah. it's uh, the... the, uh, the, the uh, Stonehenge is the source of the power yes, in, yeah, yeah. In, in that movie which is obviously an English uh, monument and stuff but still goes back to kind of pagan times and all that kind of stuff um, but yeah Sam Hain always always makes me laugh and by uh, the way but, I love the Halloween movies by the way I'm not going to say a bad word about them other than that I absolutely love that series even the bad yeah. ones I like I I like the first yeah. six like even though the they get pro- yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely, yeah even though they get progressively worse um i really love three i i've yep. always loved three since i found i found it about nine or ten years ago uh and on a dvd rack and i picked it up and i knew it was this kind of offbeat cultish kind of thing and i remember sitting down one one halloween and watching it and i was like yeah this kicks ass like this the only thing that did damage to this uh, movie was the fact that it was associated with the halloween franchise and michael myers like if it had come out and been like season of the witch or something like that it might have been out there like the fog or something it might have done that kind of you know and um, which in itself is a bit was a bit of a failure but another horror movie i like but that brings us in to what i actually want to talk to you about before we get into our topic of tonight yeah 
uh, away from Halloween, horror movies in general. Yeah. So, uh, do you have a couple of favorites? Yeah. So uh, again, horror was not a genre. I, I I think as a kid, I I just didn't like the idea of being frightened. So I didn't watch horror movies. I wasn't allowed to watch them. And then it was kind of similar growing up. And then. I think a lot of the horror movies people wanted me to watch growing up were quite bad and quite boring and stupid. So I it, horror really is a genre I came to in my 20s as an adult. So a, lo- a lot of these are films I saw for the first time in my 20s, my mid-20s, and they've really had a big effect on me now, and I really, really love them. So I th- we're doing a top three, is that right? Yeah, let's just let's have it. Well, just we'll keep it loose. We'll just have we'll just throw the ball around and see where it goes. Yeah. So I think uh, yeah, I really got into the. Um, Universal horror films. Angry Video Game Nerd does these wonderful uh, marathons every year. Mo- uh, Monster, Monster Madness, and he introduced me to all those classic black and white Universal horror movies, which was the first like cinematic universe. It, 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 you know, like the, you'd have characters crossing over. The Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, and you're talking like the the Bela Lugosi Dracula that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bela Lugosi Dracula, um, Boris Karloff Frankenstein, and then so on and so forth and they'd eventually recast them and there'd be different actors playing them but like it was essentially the same universe and they'd kind of cross over and the continuity was never great <laughs> sometimes it was non-existent and and the wolfman as well uh, he w- he was kind of played by the same guy every time he was played by lon cheney jr really good actor and um, so i really really like those got into the friday the 13th series which i really really like as well uh freddy i i really liked nightmare one and three and then it's only in recent years that I discovered two and four, which I also think are very strong. Um, and even the later shittier ones are kind of interesting. I really, really, I'm not crazy about that new Nightmare one. I, know I was going to ask you about that. It's kind of like a precursor to Scream, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's really meta and stuff. And there's really interesting ideas and I just don't think it's great. I, To be honest, and I'd say you're probably similar, I sort of lose interest after Scream. Like when everything gets a bit too self-referential and too sort of silly and snarky and, and all that kind of stuff I, I don't find those kinds of horror movies very interesting and uh i think it's really in the last sort of 10 years to 10 or 15 years horror has become really really cool again for me anyway i really liked um we watched x last night which only came out last year i think really, i really don't think I've, i haven't seen that one yet paranormal activity i think the first one is amazing the same with saw i think the first one is great and after that they kind of you know whatever um but yeah, and I really, really like the Halloween series. We'll talk about that. And then there's one series which is probably my favorite horror franchise that I don't think gets talked about nearly enough. And I'm going to save that for the top three. But uh, yeah, re- really, really, really like horror. And what I what I find interesting about horror, like we're always talking about critics and reviews and Rotten Tomato scores and stuff like that. I feel like horror is the one genre of film for me where I just... I, I, I'm able to just completely take it at face value and not listen to anyone else's opinion on it because it's so subjective. Like, it's far more subjective, I think, than, you know, uh, you know, biopics or dramas or, or action movies or superhero movies or anything like that. I, I think it's such a specific uh, subjective franchise that I, I, I'm able to just approach it completely blind and just take it for what it is, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's kind of me in a nutshell with horror. I'm kind of a, sort of a fair weather horror fan. I come to it every year with Halloween and uh, just sort of embrace it for that month. And then I kind of don't really touch it again until the following year. I'm not one of these people that watches horror movies, you know, every month of the year. 
Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be too dissimilar. My, I, I was never big into like Hammer horror films or even the... Oh, I love the old, Hammer series as well, sorry. No, <laughs> I, I, I was never really into those. I was never really into the Universal films. My heart really belongs to the 80s when it comes to mm. horror movies. Uh, Freddy Krueger stuff, um, things like Fright Night, Fright Night 2, which is a great sequel to a great movie. Fright Night is one of my favorite films of all time. Um, really classic vampire yeah. movie from the 80s. Kind of have a rear window set up where a guy thinks he's next door neighbor's a vampire and it turns out that it's true. Um, and a, a sequel then that came out that didn't do nearly as well and it's hard to find. It's actually on YouTube at the moment, but brilliant. Things like Lost Boys, which, you know, really, real soft. Like it's it's soft yeah. or it's, it's not going to terrify anybody. Um, my, my first introduction really that I can remember, I was trying to think about this the other night. What is my earliest memory? Um, and I was one of the lucky few who watched Ghost Watch live on Halloween night in 1992. Are you aware of Ghost Watch? No, I don't know what it is. So Ghost Watch was a fake uh, kind of a, a documentary. It's hard to describe. It's not a documentary, but basically what it was was a, it, it was kind of like what happened with Orson Welles and War of the Worlds on the radio back mm. in the 30s. The BBC did a show back on Halloween night, 1992. It was hosted by Michael Parkinson. Um, and or he did IP. It in, as yeah, very he yeah. recently passed away. And uh, it was kind of like Crime Watch where he was in a studio and he had like people taking calls and they sent reporters out to an actual haunted house in a housing estate in a random town in in the uk uh, where a mother and her daughters were being haunted i think it was heavily based on the enfield hauntings of the 70s um, Mm. in england Um, and it was it was really light and it was real kind of like saturday night television but it was all fake but they they didn't really advertise the fact that it was fake that's really cool and as the show goes on it starts to become more real and more real and more real and things start happening in the house and it freaked the shit out of me that sounds so cool i love it (laughs) Uh, but like it it was so technical that they had like the ghost in the house who was haunted it was a really dark story about this old man who kind of i don't know if he killed kids or he did something crazy but he was called pipes Mm. and as the show was going on like you you'd see flashes of him in the crowd as the reporters were talking to people and like they show footage of the teenage girls going up into their bedroom and they'd have like a CCTV camera and they'd show the footage and then they'd move on and then they'd have a caller ring in and say, oh, I was watching that footage and I think I saw something. And then they'd put the image back on and you could see like the outline of a person behind their bedroom curtain and all this kind of like it was That's freaky. So cool. um, but there was uproar after it came out. It, it's only aired once ever. But it's re- I think it's recently been released on DVD and there was uproar in the States. It was like it had the most complaints of any show in the 90s on the BBC. People were freaking out about it. Um, and I remember that scared the crap out of me for a long, long, long time. And that totally put me off horror until I met until until I met Stacey and then went back and was like, oh, I really like this. Because nostal- I have a nostalgia for the 80s anyway. So the Freddy yeah. Krueger's, the Halloween's, the Friday the 13th all that stuff really 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 loved it and in the 90s then slasher wise scream is my slasher franchise like i was there in 1996 i was 12 13 years of age loved it and i wasn't i was never scared watching scream the first horror film that really really got in my head for a long time was paranormal activity one oh yeah yeah. the first one really freaked me out 
And I remember saying it to Stacey a few years later. I was like, oh, paranormal activity, man, it's terrifying. And I came home one night from work like 3 a.m. And she was watching it on her own in the sitting room with the lights off. And she was like, this is shit. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's, again, like, it's, yeah. it's so subjective. But it's paranormal activity, the first one has that scene near the end where it's years since I've seen it. But I vividly remember this, that the scene where the, the, the woman just sort of tells her husband that she's fine, that she's OK. And she just has this glazed look over her eyes and you just know that something is terribly, terribly wrong. She's That's one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen. That that Just that one found footage scene of her going, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. And her eyes are just like like plates. She looks like she's taken like four tabs of ecstasy. Um, it's really, I, really scary. I watched Paranormal Activity in Brisbane, Australia with a buddy of mine. And he doesn't watch horror at all. And we watched it and his, his girlfriend was gone to bed. And when the film ended, what freaked me out in the, uh, the most in the film was the scenes where she would get up out of the bed mm. and watch him sleeping for hours. And they used to kind of yeah. fast time it. Yeah. And I remember when the when the when the film ended and to be fair, like we were both 25, maybe. And like the shit was scared out of us. And I remember thinking, at least I'm going to a room my own, not like with a woman who could get up and stare at me all night. And he was like, oh, God, I wish I could stay in the at least I wish I could stay in the spare room. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I really enjoyed that. I haven't seen any of the sequels. I think I saw the second one, but I haven't seen any after that. I have to actually on the subject of kind of found footage and, and that sort of stuff. There was a YouTube series called Marble Hornets uh in the in the early 2010s i want to say and it's basically this found footage uh series about these guys who were filming this student movie and all these strange things were happening on the set and they eventually stopped making the movie and then they went back they went back over the tapes and they discovered all this sinister stuff and it's it's actually chilling even talking about it and long story short the slender man is uh stalking them throughout the whole thing and it, it's filmed so incredibly well. I, I would still encourage people to check it out on YouTube. I think the whole thing is up there. It's a little bit dated now to look at, but it's 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 very, very frightening. Um, and and the, the, that that's a lot like that kind of first paranormal activity. It's completely, completely low budget, but it's just really gets inside you and freaks you out, you know. Found, found footage and like analog horror, I think is the term for the, kind of the stuff on YouTube and that mm. really kind of freaks me out. It gets kind of in my head a little bit more than, than normal stuff. But I, 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 I was speaking to you about this previously. There is a YouTube channel, an Irish-based YouTube, YouTube channel that I follow. Um, a guy by the name of Ryan Hollinger does it. And he reviews horror films and um, really in depth, really, really great, great reviews of films. And but over the last kind of year, maybe even two years, he's been doing found footage films. Um, and I highly recommend if anybody's an interest in that kind of and, you know, he talks about ones that are kind of below below the radar that you can't really, you know, that you, you wouldn't really know of unless you kind of were really into that kind of genre and subgenre. Um, so if anybody's interested in that, um, I'd highly recommend you check out his, his YouTube channel. Um, so maybe top three what are your favorites your favorite horror movies yeah so uh talking about favorites i, I need to give an honorable mention to a, to a few um honorable mention number one to the exorcist uh which which is genuinely still i think one of the most frightening things i've ever seen and so such an atmospheric masterpiece deserves all the accolades it's get it gets i've never seen any of the sequels and i'm still not sure i do i want to see any i believe legion the third one is pretty good the third one is very good it's, yeah. it's very similar to how like and it happens like sequels in horror movies are never really they never really match the original mm. except for a few uh, uh exceptions 
And one huge exception that comes to my mind is Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, which is one of my favorite horror movies. Uh, Psycho 2 was made in the 80s by, I think it was directed by Tom Holland, not Spider-Man. Tom Holland, Fright Night's Tom Holland. Uh, It's it's excellent. Wow, okay. It really is. I, I think it's... Yeah, I think it's a great, great movie. And it's, it's very similar to how Exorcist 3 is a, a really worthy sequel of, of yeah. the first one, I think. Yeah, so, um, yeah, and that, that's definitely on my list for this Halloween is Exorcist 2. Or, or, or not, sorry, Exorcist, Legion, Exorcist 3. I really, really want to watch that. Um, other honorable mentions, uh, Twin Peaks in general is just incredibly frightening, especially anytime uh, Bob shows up and and the the new season season three is there's so many moments of just absolute horror in those that really really work really really well i love twin peaks um and then uh hammer horror you mentioned earlier on i love that series too um it's hard to pick one that i really really like over the others i i I think just in terms of kind of so bad it's good there's one called dracula 1972 ad where uh, dracula um (laughs) is is resurrected in the in the 70s by kind of uh flower children and it's just insane and it's it's christopher lee and peter cushing playing peter cushing's van helsen and uh christopher lee is dracula and it's it's just badass it's great fun but in terms of my actual top three um horror movies the third place i'm giving to abbott and costello meet frankenstein which uh sounds crazy and is it's literally the comedians abbott and costello and uh, I think I think they're working in a museum or something like that, and they uh, start encountering all the uh, monsters from the Universal horror films. So uh, it's not just Frankenstein. Frankenstein, Dracula, played by Bella Lugosi for the second and uh, and final time, and um, the Wolfman by Lon Chaney Jr. So it's literally like the Avengers of Universal horror. Um, now, now Frankenstein is the Frankenstein's monster is played by Glenn Strange, not Boris Karloff. So he was the second actor to play. Frankenstein's monster but they make him up to effectively look the same as he did in the early film so it's it's essentially but the great thing about it is even though it's a comedy and it's played for laughs and all that kind of stuff all the stuff with the monsters is is played straight and and they're just as terrifying as ever and in some cases you know like some of the stuff they do with Dracula is is arguably more terrifying than the original and like there's loads of like really cool sort of slashery type sequences in it and it's it's just really, really well paced and really enjoyable. And, you know, it holds up so well. Um, and, it, you know, you can watch it with your kids. Like, it's not that scary, you know, even though even though I think there are some really effective sequences in it. Um, and it's the original shared universe, those Universal movies. I, I kind of, I picked that one because it sort of exemplifies that better than any of the other films. But th- there's loads of really interesting movies in, the, in that series. The Wolfman is really good. Uh, the Mummy with Boris Karloff. We watched that for the first time last year. That's really good. The Invisible Man with Claude Rains, lads. That's a great film. That's really, really good. And the best thing about all these is they're like, some of them are like 70 minutes long. Like they're not short. They're not long at all. So, you, you know, you're in, you're out. Uh, number two then is Halloween. Um, I, I've picked Halloween because obviously the first one is a masterpiece and it's le- leaps and bounds above all the other ones. I really like the rest of the series too, especially as you said, the first six, I think there's some really interesting movies there. Uh, two is really solid. Three is just its own thing. It's very interesting. Four is also really, really solid. Um, maybe not quite as cinematic as two and one, but just a really good, fun, you know, Halloween slasher movie. 
Five is the only real stinker of the bunch. It's it's just really, really terrible, I think. Is is that the Paul Rudd one? No, no, Alan. No, that's six, is it? Paul Rudd one is six, which is probably my favorite of all those sequels. <laughs> and especially the producer's cut, which is just completely batshit. They come up with all this crazy druid cult stuff for why Michael Myers is evil and, and why... Oh, this is the uh, the thorn yeah, they, stuff. They, so yeah, they, they said yeah, this, yeah. they said they, they kind of allude to this stuff in, in four and five that uh, there's this there's this cult of thorn and you see this mysterious symbol on Michael's wrist and stuff and they never really explain what it's about and then at the end of five Michael is captured and brought to the county jail and this guy who looks like something out of Dick Tracy he's wearing like a fedora and a black uh, a black trench coat he comes in and, and rescues Michael and they never explain who this guy is and then six which came out six years later they come up with this whole elaborate uh, mythology where this guy is like Michael's watcher or something like that and he's part of this druid cult called the Cult of Thorn. And it's all devoted to uh, the, the thorn symbol that appears in... in it's, like, it's like an astrological um, constellation. And it appears once every 10 years or something. Or every other Halloween it appears. And anyway, it's... The, the, the best thing about the movie, Michael is stopped with uh, these rune stones that in the producer's quote, uh, Paul Rudd lays out all these rune stones like kryptonite that stops Michael Myers. It's so crazy. But I just love it. And the best thing about the sixth one, I think, is it sort of, it's the only one of those sequels that really captures the atmosphere of the first film, I think. Um, and Donald Pleasance is just amazing in all those movies, man. I, I'm 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 less fond of all the ones they'd made after that with Jamie Lee Curtis coming back and all. I, I and I really wasn't crazy about the recent ones. I thought that third one was a similar kind of mess to Halloween Six. Like they tried to come up with all this mythology and stuff, and I actually thought that was kind of interesting. But um, yeah, it. I remember when H- I remember when H two O came out, and I it was right or like it was it was right in those scream early scream. Yeah, years sure. Kevin Williamson like, wrote wrote H two O, didn't he? I think yeah. He wrote, yeah, he wrote Scream. He wrote, I know what you did last summer. Did he write I, H2? I Maybe he, he did, did yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it, it bangs of that kind of thing. And I, I remember there was, was it that one or was it the next one where he gets kicked in the nuts by like LL Cool J? Oh, or, uh, d- uh, not LL Cool J. LL Cool J is in um, H2O and then Buster Rhymes is in uh, <laughs> Halloween Resurrection. That is comfortably <laughs> the worst film of the franchise, that one. It's absolutely <laughs> dreadful. But it's, yeah, it's a bit of fun. Um, um, will I go with one or do you want to go with all yours or how do you want sorry to do I've done two you you do two and then we'll come back to my number one yeah sounds good um, I'm just I'm going to keep it nice and brief uh, I'm going to connect it in there with the Superman universe and I'm going to talk about Richard Donner's The Omen ah. uh, from 1976 starring Gregory Peck and uh, I think David Warner's in it as well actually. sounds about right um, great film uh, real classic old school 70s horror movie about uh, a prestigious American guy and he's he, he basically adopts a child and the child is the son of Satan himself the Antichrist Damien and it's just this really great story about uh, this guy kind of figuring it out throughout the, the runtime of the film and then you know all these things happening like all these evil forces protecting this child and um, the famous scene of his nanny and she she kind of jumps off this uh building she hangs herself at his birthday party and the famous line you know 
it's for you Damien it's all for you and it's 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 just I remember watching it even when I was way too young and there's a scene where uh he he has Damien he goes into Damien's room and he 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 moves his hair and he sees the the 666 sign kind of on his scalp and next thing the the, the boy wakes up screaming or whatever and that scared the shit out of me um, but just a real real classic horror with a great you know with a great cast Gregory Peck is phenomenal in it and there was a remake in 2006 I think it was 2006 in around that era um and it was awful it wasn't good at all so if anybody's interested and there's like that they sequelized it Sam Neill played him in the third film played Damien the Antichrist in the third film and it gets like most kind of horrors of that time and sequels of that time it, it goes a bit bananas uh, but as a standalone film with a great ending I would highly recommend uh, Richard Donner's uh, the the omen. I I think that's what got him the Superman movie. Actually, I think you know. I think the Salkine saw the omen. What would make you look at the Antichrist movie and think <laughs> this is the guy for Superman? I have no idea. Um, but thank God that they that that, that they did. Um, and after that, uh, the fog. I absolutely love the fog. John Carpenter's the with, fog with, with Tom Welling. No, not with Tom <laughs> Welling. New, no, new, no, new, no, sir. Uh, who's in that? Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, oh, the 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 great. We we're talking about Halloween three earlier on. The the great Tom Atkins uh, is in it. Uh, great film. Just for some reason, freaked me out as a kid. Uh, I grew up in a seaside town where you could see the light of a, of a of a lighthouse from kind of my house. Um, and when the the fog used to kind of come in over the the cliffs of Tremor, the southeast of Waterford. Uh, I just really connected with this movie and that kind of spookiness and that eeriness of that. Um, and it's it's just a really great film about, and it actually has a really solid story. It's about this town and they're celebrating their centenary and this fog rolls in and there's like demons, kind of the spirits of these dead uh, of these dead sailors uh, living in the fog, Ooh. slaughtering the townspeople, and the the it, it kind of the, the reason why becomes apparent as the story moves on, and it turns out that the ancestors of these town people did something horrendous to these uh, sailors back before their before their town was formed. And it's just a, a really great spooky film. John Carpenter did it after Halloween. Didn't near do the Halloween kind of numbers, but I, I just think it's a, it's a great film. And it's pretty much available to stream in lots of different places. I highly recommend people check you it You know out. why I brought up Tom Welling there, yeah? Yeah, because he was in that really, really shitty remake. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen um, it. No, I'm not talking about Cheaper by the Dozen 2. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I, um, I, I did see it. I, yeah, it, it was awful. It was terrible. I'm trying to remember what year. Probably around 05-ish, maybe? Maybe a bit? Yeah, that that's not too bad now. That was off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, no, that's it's it's not nearly as good. And like I have honorable mentions too. Alfred Hitchcock, Psycho. Like, go back and watch that movie, guys. It is it it holds up. It is so freaky and creepy and just you know. And we talk about like that shit happens. Like you know, these people are out there, and it's it just. Yeah, check out Psycho. Check out Psycho 2. Tom Holland's Psycho 2, I swear to God, guys, is a fantastic sequel. I remember right. when I was working in the video shop in Tremor. Um, again, do you remember the name of it, Rob? Uh, not much movies. Uh, not no. movie. Movie buff? Movie, movie buff, buff, correct, sir. Yes. Um, I remember working movie buff back in 03 and sticking on Psycho 2 on VHS, thinking it was going to be uh, just terrible. And it really is solid. And I don't know if, it, like, in the community, it's kind of held in high regard, but I really enjoyed that. Does Jaws count as a horror movie? 
it's I mean yeah I guess yeah quick, yeah quick, quick thing on Saga by the way I saw it for the first time very recently and I did love it yeah absolutely oh, love it you saw it for the first very time very first time like last month oh man yeah it's it's a last month yeah. that is crazy yeah it, it it's one of it's it's a really and like did you know the twist before you started uh, no I don't think I did I'm sure I was probably told at some point but I yeah genuinely did I, I went in and yeah no and, and the whole way through the movie I was like oh that's why the whole style of filmmaking just changes so radically in the 70s it's like the, the way it's shot is so modern like it feels like a like a modern contemporary film throughout and the, the, the performances and everything about it it's, it's incredible and you could see the impact it has even on Stuff like the Terminator and um, even Batman the Animated Series. I was kind of going, this feels almost like an episode of Batman the Animated Series. The way it's shot and the way the music comes in and everything. I just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, really, really liked yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's it's for like for a film that came out in 1960. It's unbelievable. And Janet Lee, obviously Jamie Lee Curtis's, Curtis's mother. Mm, yeah, yeah. Is the oh, main yeah, and, and it, it clearly impacted Halloween as well. Do the thing. The, Absolutely. The films, yeah. And, and it first kind of viral... Uh, 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 marketing campaign as well where Alfred Hitchcock um, they had these rules and it was well advertised that once the film started they wouldn't allow anybody to come in or out and there was reports in the papers of people fainting and people collapsing oh with terror and everything watching the film and it just like the queues were around the block for the film because obviously it was it was something that the studios were really really cautious about making at the time um, but obviously it paid off in, in, in dividends um, and there is a there is a third and fourth there's a third there's, there's a, a cycle three which I've never seen, and there's a Psycho Four directed by Anthony Perkins, who played Norman Bates. Um, that was a straight TV movie, which is is meant to be very bad. <laughs> I was going to say um, it's probably not very good. Yeah, God, it's, it meant God to be bless very him. bad. But did you know? Because uh, I saw it in the cinema at the time. There is a shot-for-shot remake yeah. of Psycho, starring uh, Vince, Vince Vaughn, Vaughn. I think yeah. it's as as Norman Bates and uh Anne Heche, rest in peace as um as the the main the, the well the the main character for the first half of the movie no spoilers um but yeah uh, avoid that at all I've never said it's fascinating <laughs> that that exists and they did a shot for yeah. shot remake like what's the point yeah. like why would you even bother you know why it's like why? those disney the, those things they do now where they just they, they're just literally making the live action versions of the cartoon and it's just the exact same thing it's like what what's the point i don't know yeah <laughs> um any other any other horror movies before we move yeah, on yeah my my favorite uh horror movie and it's it tied uh and I, I i don't think you've even seen these hellraiser and hellraiser 2 uh oh i've seen the first hellraiser. oh have you yeah um uh, I've seen the first Hellraiser because a good friend of mine, uh, Robert O'Connor, oh, yeah. uh, sent me a link to it one time a long time ago, and I watched it. And it, uh, not oh, for you. <laughs> did you like it? Um, I did like it. I I'm not a huge body horror yeah. guy, um, but yeah, I did like it. I, I haven't checked out any of the sequels. I did a bit of homework to see what the sequels were like, and was is two good as well. I, I then, think I think two is if if. It, it's like Superman 2 to Superman the movie. Like, it, it's 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 maybe not quite as good as a film in and of itself, but as a story, it's, like, far more ambitious. And it it cashes in on the, on the mythology they set up in the first film, and it's just incredible. That Those two are my favorite horror movies ever. Ex- explain, explain to listeners what Hellraiser yeah, is. Yeah, so Hellraiser is, as you say, it's a body horror film. The, the first film involves this uh, family 
returning to a house. I think I think it's his brother's house, and they return that they, they come there to 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 live there. Basically, it's this uh, this man and his daughter and his new wife who doesn't really get on with the daughter. And uh, slowly but surely, we find out that uh, the blood of his the, the 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 remains of his dead brother is in the house, and uh, his wife has to bring victims up to the attic and kill them so that the brother can drink the blood and and be revived into this kind of uh musculature creature thing where he he's basically the blood is bringing him back to life and we're seeing the strands of kind of flesh kind of grow on his body as the film progresses and it's really really fucked up and then meanwhile he's the the reason the brother is dead is because he discovered this thing called the lament configuration which is this you'll definitely have seen pictures of it it's like a spooky kind of uh, bronze Rubik's cube type thing that um, when you when you're when you're able to solve it, it uh, it calls to our dimension this group of uh, they call themselves ex- explorers of experience called the Cenobites and they're basically the most fucked up thing in the world. So that that the, they're obsessed with uh, BDSM and chains and ripping people's flesh off and. I it's a Disney movie, it's right? It's a Disney movie, yeah. It's 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 literally it's very close to being a superhero franchise in a lot of ways. Like the Cenobites are not they're not quite the 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 tagline of the movie is angels to some and demons to others. Uh and the obviously the main Cenobite is a guy called Pinhead who is is my favorite uh uh kind of monster in any film. I, he's played by a guy called Doug Bradley and it's just so kind of visceral and powerful and the scenes of body horror in it, they're so horrific and so kind of mesmerizingly grotesque that they kind of, be, they they take on this sort of operatic beauty. And I just think it's a fascinating, incredible film. The guy who directed is Clive Barker, who also wrote the short story that it's based on. And he's an acclaimed horror writer. He's got these really crazy, he also, um, he wrote the, sto- the story that inspired Candyman as well and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, he's Candyman. The original Candyman is is one of, is Stacy's favorite horror. Oh film. yeah, it's yeah. The, it's the it's the one she remembered, uh, kind of seeing on VHS back. Yeah. You know, we all have that one that we saw early. You yeah. know, um, but but I I'm a, I am surprised that you like Hellraiser. I, I love body horror. Yeah, I absolutely. And the Fly is I love the Fly. Like any any. Oh, I, the Fly. And yeah. the, thing, the thing about body horror is once once people discovered computers, that was it. That's it. It's over. Yeah. There's no like I, even the film we're going to talk about tonight. The, the once we get into computer generated body horror it's not body horror it's a cartoon it doesn't exist it's not it's not it's totally different and they made a new hellraiser recently and there was loads of cgi body horror in that and i was like no not the same thing it's got to be practical baby and the first movie and the second one as well where they as i said they expand on the mythology and they actually see them actually go into hell in that one and the depiction of hell in that is my favorite depiction of hell in anything it's so good and christopher young scored through is it better than spawn is it better than better than hell is it better than spawn (laughs) check out hellraiser check out hellraiser 2 shout out to hellraiser 3 which is when the series sort of takes a little bit of a dip uh but it's still quite good and quite fun and terry farrell from deep space nine is in it she's always a sight for sore eyes and uh the girl who played Iris West in the in the pilot of the 1990s flash is also i used to have such a crush on her yeah and and alan there's a guy from Superboy in that in that movie too. Uh, I forget his name, but he's the guy who plays uh, Brimstone, who our old friends Zach Moore will remember from the one episode of Superboy he covered on Always Old on Smallville. 
Um, that guy's in Hellraiser 3. Love the Hellraiser franchise. It gets really shitty after that. Henry Cavill's in one of them. We don't need to talk about that. But those first three... Henry Cavill is in a Hellraiser? You, bet it, you betcha, baby. Uh, and he gets a he gets a beej in it. I, I, he gets... Uh, wow. Someone, someone gives him the goods. In it. So we get to... It's more than he got in Superman. More than he got in Superman. Um, depending on your... Depending on what version of Batman vs. Superman you're watching. I, I believe in the Ultimate Edition, there's, there's a suggestion of that. Uh, I'm joking. Um, actually, in the Whedon Cut of Justice League, they explicitly say that they do. Fuck's yeah, sake! Yeah, we spoke about that with we spoke about that with Matt. I think. Anyway, yeah. love Hellraiser. Um, Over you, to you. I was I was really uh, prepared to move on to the topic tonight, but I, I'm really enjoying this chat. Um, so I want to talk about more stuff. Um, you mentioned there the fly. Uh, people forget about that about the '80s. Like the '80s was a, a great time for remakes of '50s kind of sci-fi B-movies. The Fly is a, is and, a great and, and they example. were actually good as well. <laughs> yeah, like The Fly is, like when you talk about like body horror yeah. and like Jeff Goldblum is, I think it's Gina Davis in yes, it as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Like they're amazing. Another one is The Thing. A lot of people don't realize that The Thing, that John Carpenter's The Thing, which was a dud on release and is like, if you sit down, I watched it recently on 4K and it is just pure art like what they accomplished with practical effects in that film and a lot of people don't realize that that's a remake of the of stuff from the 50s like all these kids who watched these things in the 50s were like director's age in the 80s and just made their versions of them in the way kind of you know over the last few years we've been making stuff from the 80s and stuff from the 80s been made you know all bet a lot more poorly um but yeah like i I, i'd absolutely check those out talking about the video shop um like we're of a generation, I, I presume you remember this because I and I, I think a lot of listeners will remember this. Going into the horror section yeah. of your local video store and just being absolutely traumatized by the art on the VHS on the cover, boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I have such visceral memories of that. I remember, I really remember the cover, and it's another film I'm going to mention now, um, because it's aged terribly, but it was terrifying at the time, and the box cover was terrifying. Was um, Stephen King's It? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Tim, yeah. the Tim Curry It. I'll never forget that box cover. He had this kind of alien spider hand thing, kind of, uh, you know, um, and like that. That's a film that I loved when I was younger. Um, but if you actually watch it now, it's 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 real made for TV. It goes on for four hours, and it's it's the the first half is really good kind of like the remake the stuff with the kids is really good uh, in, in unlike the the ones that came out recently where the first film was all about the kids and the second film was about the adults they kind of they, they kind of it's kind of interspersed in the in the original okay. and that um, seems like a wiser but, way to do it actually in a way it is yeah like but they have john boy walton plays the adult version of the main character and he's got this really crappy rat tail uh, uh thing and the the spider monster at the end doesn't work like what make that what makes that film great is like there's performances by people like seth green is in it uh john ritter's in it tim curry is yeah. great in it and that o'toole is in it like, and Netto Tool, yeah, Superman three and I've, I've actually never Tool. seen it, if you can believe that. But I, I remember hearing Netto Tools in it. Yeah. Do you know what it would be great for? It would be great like if you came over to the house and we sat down, had a couple of beers, and just yeah. watched it for four hours. Like that's that's what it's for. Like yeah. it's it's really really. But I just had this memory of, and I remember one time as a kid. I went to rent. I my my mother and father rented. We had this uh, tradition where on Friday night they'd rent a, a an adult movie. Well, oh, they, they, they'd rent uh, a, an an adult themed movie or focus. Why I'm kind of giving myself a whole here. Yeah. Were your parents watching? <laughs> 
And then I, I'd get a kids movie for Saturday morning, but the guy in the video oh, shop love it. put the wrong cassette oh, no. into like f- fucking Care Bears or whatever it oh, was. My goodness. And I get up the next morning, I stick the tape into the machine and it's a nightmare. On, it is one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. And I still never forget it. It just, it just, it started and it's a girl walking down like this corridor in like a, a factory or something. And well, that's probably the first one, is it? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Um, and I think it's one of the much later ones. And she falls over and there's like glue or something on the floor and it sticks to her face. And then Freddie comes over and he catches her and he pulls her head back and her face comes off. And I remember just screaming running into my parents going it's not the Care Bears it's not the Care Bears oh my goodness um, but not to harp on too long I just want to mention uh, one or two other quick ones if you haven't seen them uh, Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery. have you seen yeah, yeah. Denise Crosby Pet Cemetery came out in the early 90s absolutely superb Stephen King movies like I, I struggle with Stephen King books to be honest with you I think that there's a lot in there like he needs a good editor I think and the, the, a lot of the films are very like uh, made for TV crap and stuff, especially in the eighties and nineties. Um, very few exceptions, like Misery, was absolutely superb, and there's obviously a few more. Uh, but Pet Cemetery is a really, really creepy film, and I watched it recently as a like, yeah, it. And I watched it recently, and it's just that thing with the kid coming back from the dead after he buries it, and the wife coming back, and she has this Zelda, this sister who's kind of a man. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for emaciated 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 and she's in bed and it's oh it's it's freaky um if we have any superman listeners still with us um before we move on to the movie comic book wise horror anything horror wise oh yes i was going to i was going to do that yeah great um yeah horror comics uh scott snyder's american vampire highly recommend that you'd really like that it's uh Literally, the premise is a new breed of vampires that are are slightly stronger and faster than other vampires, and they are impervious to sunlight, and they become known as it's the dawn of the American vampire because they they first come to be in America, and it it kind of follows that that there's a there's one or two of them that it sort of it sort of doves dives in and out of their storylines across different parts of American history. So you see like the Roaring Twenties and the Wild West and World War Two. And loads of interesting things. Highly recommend that. Um, and then for kind of just a really, really sort of so bad it's good. Halloween spooky classic. The Batman Dracula trilogy, man, is great fun. <laughs> it's just great fun. I read it every year now. It's like every year I'm kind of like, that was a little bit better than I remember being. It's just so much. Basically, long story short, in 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 sort of the, it's broken up into three books. Book one is uh, Batman uh trying to stop dracula and then at the very end he gets bitten uh and then book two is batman who is now a vampire but he can't he's refusing to drink blood or kill anyone and he's sort of battling with that and then the joker becomes a vampire it's this whole thing Uh, and then and and then book three batman is full-on evil batman vampire just laying waste to criminals killing everybody and it's incredible uh highly recommend checking it out you can get it in an elseworlds I think it's DC Elseworlds Volume 2 and literally the entire book is just the Batman Dracula trilogy and it's it's great fun, man. I really like it. Um, were you ever a Blade guy? Blade, I like the Wesley Snipes movies and I think I've read a comic here and there. I, I think the movies are different to the comics character. Like, he wasn't always a vampire in the comics, apparently. 
the movies the first movie i think is great the second movie is maybe not quite as good but does really interesting things and has great sequences and yeah they only made two didn't they <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah we won't talk about trinity they didn't make a third one <laughs> no we won't we won't so talk strange. about that <laughs> uh yeah i like play yeah um so let's move on to tonight's topic sorry uh, did you have any horror comics you wanted to mention no, <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't really. To be honest, I was just going to mention uh, uh, Batman Dracula. That's yeah. that's all I was going to chat about. But um, no, so we'll mo- we'll move on to uh, Superman in horror, basically. And no, we're not talking about the Zack Snyder uh, Superman movies. Um, that'll cost us a couple of listeners. Uh, Superboy. Uh, someone guessed uh, on our uh, inside the All Star Superman podcast Facebook uh, group that we'd be talking Superboy. Is there a horror Superboy episode that there's, I might have missed? There's multiple horror episodes, Several? Alan of Superboy. There's uh, there's Young Dracula. Uh, there's an episode called Brimstone where he meets a like a blade like vampire hunter, and then there's one called Run Dracula Run where he goes up against Dracula. Uh, so there's a bunch of shitty Superboy, and then there's an episode called Werewolf where he goes up against a werewolf, and it's the fakest fucking werewolf you've ever seen. <laughs> um, loads of yeah, I, I I said that in the group. I'm like, next year we're doing some of the Superboy episodes, and then obviously there's Smallville episodes where there's a bunch of vampires running around as well. We can do them someday as well. Let's talk we're, tonight. We're going to talk about Brightburn. Which is not a Superman movie, but it kind of is an evil Superman movie. Uh, released May 24th, uh, 2019. Directed by David Yarovesky. Written by, which is very interesting, written by Brian uh, uh, Gunn, uh, James's brother, and Mark Gunn, his cousin. Produced by James Gunn himself. Uh, with a budget of around $7 million. Were you surprised by that? $7 million? Wow, $7 million. I'm surprised to hear that. I assumed it was like maybe... 20 or 30 million i didn't think it was seven million dollars wow. is what they accomplished this movie on which i was when I, I i looked it up after i watched the film and i was floored by that because i mean that is there's some great production value in this thing uh box office 33 million runtime one hour and 29 minutes it's a fast movie and we'll talk about that as we go into it um so it stars elizabeth banks as Tori Breyer, David Denmark as Kyle Breyer, uh, David, who most people would probably know as Roy from the uh, US office, and we'll get into him because I think he does a great job in it. He's also uh, he's also Jason's dad in the Power Rangers uh, reboot movie from 2017. Oh, that's that, I'd like to do an episode on that someday. It's not a great movie, but it's definitely yeah, worth cool. watching. Anyway, and uh, uh, Jackson A. Dunn as uh, Clark Kent, air quote, uh, Brandon Breyer. So the synopsis reads. After a difficult struggle with fertility, Tori Breyer's dreams of motherhood come true with the arrival of a mysterious baby boy. Brandon appears to be everything Tori and her husband Kyle ever wanted, bright, talented and curious about the world. But as Brandon nears puberty, powerful darkness manifests within him and Tori becomes consumed by terrible doubts about her son. Once Brandon begins to act on his twisted urges, those closest to him find themselves in grave danger. So did you see this when it came out first? No, and I'll give a little bit of context why. So I think 2019, around that time, you had The Boys, season one was out. Um, you had The Injustice games were still very popular. Injustice 2 had only recently come out. And uh, the, the Snyderverse was... I mean, I, I it was fairly safe to say that it was over, but but yet the, the release, the Snyder Cut thing, was still very strong at that stage. So there was a lot of fucking evil Superman stuff out there at that time. And there was very little kind of traditional you know 
and what, what I be careful when I say this because people get very open arms when you say this, but like Superman, where he's not turning evil, basically, there was very little of that other than the comics at the time, and it was just a bit of a bit of a downer time to be a Superman fan, I think personally. Um, and I was just kind of like, oh god, I don't think I need to go and watch some movie where you know it's just Superman, but he immediately kills everybody and turns evil and tries to take over the world. I just just didn't need that at that time. But then when you said you want to do an episode on this, you know, all these years later, I was kind of like, well, right now there's a lot of great Superman content that I really like. So I, I don't mind, you know, checking out this other interpretation where it's really dark and cynical. Like I, I'd, be, I'd be interested to kind of give that a go and, and, and take it for what it is. So yeah, so, so, so that's where I'm at with it without saying what I thought of the movie. Yeah, and I, I, I did see it when it came out. I, I didn't see it in theaters. Oh, did you really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, I saw it when it came out. Um, not in theaters. I watched it, streamed it, or, or rented it here digitally. I remember watching mm. it at home with Stacey. Um, and I remember enjoying it for the most part for what it was mm. and then like i forgot about it 20 minutes after i, I watched it um and then i was like well, maybe we should do a halloween you know yeah. i was talking i was talking to you and like I, we we're both up the walls at work and i was you know it'd be fun to just kind of shoot the shit about halloween stuff and horror stuff and drop a bonus episode and i was like superman horror and then it occurred to me you know maybe that brightburn movie um and like it really is it's not like it's influenced by you know the the Kal-El, Superman Clark Kent mythos like it really is a complete rip off of it yeah. you know it's like there's literally Jonathan Kent there's literally Martha Kent there's literally Clark Kent there's even like Alana Lang in it for yeah. want of a better word you know the house looks like the Smallville house or a, a version of the Smallville house uh it's you, you know it's can it looks like Kansas it's it very is Kansas. it is Kansas like it's it is you know, for want of a better word, it is it is you know Clark Kent alternative universe Elseworlds Clark Kent story, um, and I I do wonder how they got away with that. I think um I think when it's when it's considered a parody, you can kind of just do whatever you want. I I as the film dragged on, I was kind of like, yeah, wow, it's 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 all here, nothing's different. You know, it's it's pretty much all there. Whereas you know, you look at something like Homelander, um, you know, he's got all of Superman's powers. Uh, but he's effectively a different character. Like his origin is completely different, and all this stuff. And the same with um, Omni Man and in Invincible is is similar ish. But like again, there's a lot of differences there. Uh, but this is not. This is as you say. It literally just is the Legend of Superman. But instead of you know becoming this bastion of truth and justice, he just goes crazy and kills everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, so look we're not going to do a scene by scene breakdown or no. anything like that but I, I just want to get your thoughts on your first viewing did you watch it first like this week I watched it today yeah I've, I've been so busy that I didn't really have time so I, I literally watched it today and um, if, if you've if you've if you're if anyone's a Frasier fan that there, there's a scene in Frasier where his dad kind of goes yeah pretty much what I thought <laughs> <laughs> and that that's like it, it wasn't bad like it, it 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 you know seven million dollars is seven kind of making me million dollars reassess it a little bit in that sense like it some of it is shot very very well especially on that kind of a budget and uh the two uh, elizabeth banks and the gentleman whose name i forgot uh they, denmark yeah uh, uh david denmark they both give very good solid compelling performances in it i think um I, I, David Denmark is kind of an underrated actor. I think he's good in a lot of stuff, especially stuff that isn't great otherwise. He actually um, would have made a good Jonathan Kent. He he would. And Elizabeth Banks would have made a great Martha. I was thinking that. And like for the first 20 minutes, it, it literally just is like that story. And I was kind of going, this is 
there's there's parts of this I like more than Man of Steel, to be perfectly honest. Um, but then it kind of just becomes whatever after that, I think. Like, there's some interesting kind of special effects and superhero-y type, type kind of sequences and things in it, but it, it it's kind of just exactly what I thought it would be, which is just, well, what if Superman went evil and killed everybody? Well, here you go, and... They don't really do much. There's n- there's not much with it. There's not much nuance to it. Um, now, uh, as a horror film, which it, yeah, it, it is a horror film. Yes, I, I would categorize it as kind of a young adult horror film. Like it's kind of like a Final Destination, maybe that kind okay. of like it. It's not a scary film. No, there's no terror in it. There's no real horror in it. There is a there is gore, and I I will talk about that. Like the gore is there's a couple of scenes where even I was like, Ooh. um, uh, so if if you're a, a horror fan who's into gore, that there there is something here for you, um, but yeah, I I sat down and I watched it. I forgot how well made it was, how how nicely it was shot and everything. And like you said, for the first while. Um, it re- it pretty much is just the Superman story, you know. We we start off and you know there's a, a, a shot of fertility books on a shelf, and uh, I'm just going to call them Martha and Jonathan because I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, I can't names. remember the names either. Martha and Jonathan <laughs> are in the house in Brightburn, aka Smallville, and the the ship lands outside, and they go out and they find the child, and next thing it's ten years later. And they're living their best life and everything is is going great and everybody's happy and you know Martha uh, uh, Jonathan and and Clark aka uh, what, what, what was his name Brandon, Brandon are out kind of doing chores in the farm and all this kind of stuff and things start to go awry when the ship activates so the ship activates in the barn it's hidden in the barn and what happens is is that Clark aka Brandon I'm just going to call him Clark uh it's like he's a sleeper agent who's activated um, and he just turns evil pretty much straight away. Like, I don't get the impression that he's been evil his his entire life. And there's a scene at the and I, I, I don't think I copped it the first time, but I copped it this time. There's a scene very early on where uh, uh, he, Brandon is in school and they're learning about wasps and they there's a, a some dialogue where he he she the teacher who is actually played by James Gunn's wife Jennifer Holland, who's in everything that she, he makes now. And, and you know what people make fun of that, but you know what guys, she yeah. is in everything. She is in everything. <laughs> like people are always calling him out for me. He's like, no, well I didn't cast her in this. It's like, well, do you know what James Gunn? She is in everything you make. You know what? And she's a talented actress. She's really yeah, good yeah. in Peacemaker. She was great in Peacemaker. Great in Peacemaker. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. But I'm just saying. Call yeah. it what it is, James. Just, just be honest. You're putting your it. wife and stuff. It's fine, right? Um, I was. I sorry to interrupt. Go on, go on. Do you think you'd give Michael Rosenbaum a role, a role in this? Oh, hundred percent. Of all the things he could like, because you know the way they're always going. Oh, you know, maybe I could be Lex Luthor, and you know he has he's that teeny tiny 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 little role in Guardians of the Galaxy. Why did he not put him in this seven million dollar thing and bring a bit of bring a bit of fucking superman publicity to the production and in this lex luther if it, like he was a lex luther type character he'd be right yeah you know he's a little shit <laughs> God, that, um, w- that would have been a cool thing to do oh, but I even he could have played that. the sheriff or something like there's yeah. the sh- and the sheriff is played by the guy that the, the, the beach cop from baywatch plays the sheriff yeah the guy who drives the quad bike on the beach i was like yeah. hey it's him um but there, there's a there's some dialogue in a classroom scene at the start where the where jennifer holland asks him the difference between bees and wasps and um he talks about how wasps 
are uh, bees are pollinators and wasps are predators and in some uh, species of wasps the, the wasp are laid in someone else's hive um, and they rely on the other uh, uh, insects or whatever it is to feed them and raise them and then they kill, the, the wasp kills them all and it's very much kind of like that where it's an alien race has planted this guy on earth and kind of activates him I, well this is what I got from it activates him with the ship and then he's just like he, he realizes he finds out that he's superpowers and he finds out that he's basically been instructed by evil Jorel or whatever the hell it is to take the world and he starts going batshit crazy um and he you know he has a crush on a girl and he 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 destroys her hand um when she kind of rebuffs him and then he kills her mother and then it kind of spirals and spirals and spirals and what what i did like about it was like and you mentioned earlier the relationship between jonathan and martha um like they're desperate to have this child and and like you know they they're like they want to believe that he's good like yeah. like any parent i think wishful like, thinking yeah like any teacher that. will tell you like i deal with it as a cop when i was you know in uniform like you bring a kid home or you go to a kid's house and you tell the parents what they've done and the parents struggle to comprehend it or struggle to believe it and there's very much that in this film like they're very grateful to have a child but then they slowly realize like oh, this guy is fucking dangerous and yeah. you know like it, it really culminates in a scene with jonathan later on that we can talk about but but i liked that about like i thought that the parents were very rounded characters and i really liked these kind of nuances that they had with each other and that relationship i thought was really really good i did yeah no i i agree with that i did i did think that was well done and it didn't feel like an exploitative horror trope thing in in, in the way that other stuff did i i'll disagree a little bit on the I, the the way i read the kids going crazy was more of a comment on puberty overall and uh you, you know just that his body was changing and his hormones were kind of kicking into gear and stuff and he was dealing with superpowers and then he learned that he was being lied to this whole time i i i i i viewed it more as just a cynical view on what would what would actually happen if if a child uh came to find that he had all these powers and that his parents had lied to him that he was actually you know and the, the bit about the wasps and all that i that reminded me of a similar thing in the movie Chronicle. Did you ever see Chronicle? Yeah, I was going to say that. There, there's a similarity to that film. Yeah, like the, the whole, the, there's a whole thing in that about what one of the characters played by Dane DeHaan comes to sort of convince himself that, you know, well, there's this whole thing about apex predators and, you know, it, it's, it's just a pecking order. And, you know, w when you are literally superior to beings below you, you, you can do what you wish because you, you have to ascend to that role and be, and be you know, be the leader of humanity or whatever so you can just kill everybody if you want and i i thought the wasp scene was sort of setting that up in its own way in this film wasn't done quite as well i didn't think um but then with evil jorel yeah I, I i thought it was kind of open to interpretation a little bit as to whether it's like is he being literally activated like there, like in smallville or whatever where there's you know like he's being possessed by the um by the the, the, the force or whatever or he's being hypnotized or brainwashed or is it just another voice that's sort of telling him what he wants to hear because he's a he's a um, pubescent boy who thinks he's the center of the universe and he, he's been told he's special his whole life. But has he been told? He, has he been told he's special? Because the impression I get from it is that he exhibited no powers before the ship activated. Only like the only thing Jonathan says to him is, uh, or says to Martha is, you know, he, he never he's never bled, like he's never been cut, he's never bled. But then 
like when the ship activates and uh, kind of in- interacts with them suddenly he can fly and he's surprised by his own strength there's a scene where he's trying to start a lawnmower and the lawnmower shoots yeah. off into the back we've seen things like that that. Th- that was that was a good scene that was like a really good normal superman scene. i was like that would have been cool to see a man of steel if they've done it that way instead of and like all the stuff all the stuff of like elizabeth banks consoling him when things go wrong and all that i was like you know, in Man of Steel, you have that scene where Martha runs in and she's like, oh, you know, think of them as an island. You're out in the ocean. And I find that scene really heavy handed and really stilted. Whereas there's similar stuff in this that I thought was kind of better than that, those, you know? Yeah, no, um, I agree. I think I think Elizabeth Banks. And I, I love Elizabeth Banks. You know, I think she's, yeah, I think I think she's, she's great. Good. She's and, also in the Power Rangers reboot, actually. <laughs> she <laughs> she's plays Rita Repulsa. Repulsa. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, so like, I, I, I enjoyed it. I think a, a big problem I had with it like I I went in I watched it on my own Stacy was watching um the rugby match last night like everybody else in the world while <laughs> I was watching while I was watching Brightburn um and I came out and Stacy was like are you going to watch that film yet and I was like oh, I, I did it you know it's over <laughs> it's like, over already it, it was an hour and 29 it's it's fast paced um mm-hmm. almost to its detriment I think like it's tight I like mm-hmm. a tight film it it there's no fat in it it gets to where it needs to get to but as soon as he kind of turns evil like I said, there's no nuance to it and they just kind of plow through with, you know, he's just killing people now and that's it. Um, and I was like, Ugh. I, I was kind of thinking, is there going to be a twist here? Is there not going to be a twist yeah. here? And I was looking back afterwards and I was thinking about it and I was like, maybe it would have been better served as a horror film if they hadn't shown at the beginning that he was an alien who landed oh, on the, the ship. And the, they, it's like a twist halfway through. Yeah. That, mm. like, you don't know what's going on. Like, you know, the kid's a bit weird and Jonathan's making pancakes or whatever. And he turns around and, he, you know, they have this scene, which is creepy, where he's sitting at his breakfast table and he's just eating the fork. And it's being mangled in his teeth. And it's re- it is creepy, to be fair to them. And, you know, Jonathan comes up and kind of startles him and looks at the fork. And then something happens and it's forgotten about. You know, and you're like, what the fuck is with this kid, you know, chewing forks and stuff? What's going on here? And then, you know, halfway through, you realize, oh, it's it's an evil Superman movie. Now, maybe that wouldn't work either. But I just thought maybe they gave away too much at the beginning. Yeah, that's an interesting way. But, I mean, obviously, they have to market the movie. So, you know, it's like, what good, what good is a twist if you go into them? But, no, it is interesting to think about. I, I think going back to something else you said about it not being scary, I think, it, it, ironically, like, you know, because in normal Superman stories, everyone always says, oh, well, you know, he's too powerful. He's not interesting. It's too hard to tell an interesting story about a guy who's so powerful. And for me, what I find interesting about Superman so so much of the time is here's a guy who, you know, could have just ruled the world and killed everybody and just done whatever he he wanted to do like so many people probably would in that situation. But instead, he chooses to be kind and chooses to love and chooses to be a leader of men. And I, I think there's something really beautiful in that. And w- when you twist that, then it's just, oh, well, no, he does just kill everybody and he does just try to take over the world. And you you, you finally realize, oh, yeah, no, that's not interesting. <laughs> and like, and, and t- talking about it not being scary, my favorite thing about slasher movies is there's always just this ounce of hope that they'll get away, you know, like that the, the, the victims will will escape the final girl and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, you're like, oh, come on, come on. Yeah, yeah, like whatever. And don't go into that room. And that there's a whole sort of theater to that sort of thing. When he's Superman and he's so powerful and he can hear footsteps and he can, th- there's no tension. There's It's not like you, you, we spent the whole final kind of 15 minutes of the movie going, well, he's clearly going to kill all these people. 
and they're they're never going to get away from him. And what are they going to introduce now, this late into the film, that's going to be able to stop him? Probably nothing. And like even th- they introduce this idea that only the ship itself can cut his skin, which is an interesting thing, and it's you know it's fairly accurate to Superman stuff. Um, but as soon as she if she takes this one little piece of metal off the ship and she puts it in her back pocket, and I was going, there's no way that kid's getting stopped by this thing, you know. And sure enough, he doesn't. Spoiler, spoiler warning. So um, I think that was kind of a problem conceptually with the film was they they couldn't figure out a way to make this character a compelling slasher villain because he's too powerful and you know when when he's just evil for the sake of it and there's no nuance to it as you say it it actually highlights all of the problems people usually have with normal superman stories yeah. i think yeah um one thing i i will say about it is as i was watching it um especially in scene there's a scene where uh, i mentioned earlier this the lana lang character and he kind of his dad has this awkward kind of sex talk with them and then he goes off and he comes into her room at night and creeps the shit out of her by turning her computer on a couple of times then she sees him behind the curtain and then he flies off and he's kind of watching her from a distance and stuff and I, I was thinking like looking back at you know stuff like Smallville and how that was in season one like there is a lot of kind of stuff even Superman Returns there is a lot of kind of stuff that Superman Clark does that if viewed through a slightly different lens is kind of creepy you know oh, yeah big time and that was one thing i did find interesting about this was it does it does kind of deal with the whole idea that like superman a lot of the superman power fantasy kind of dips its toe into toxic masculinity in a lot of ways and like boys being told that they're special and they're great their whole life that doesn't always lead to good things you know and that's the perfectly exemplified in this where the dad's like oh yeah you know when you have these feelings and you know, it's it's okay to express them sometimes, and he doesn't re- he doesn't really because because it's an awkward conversation to have. He doesn't really say, but you need to respect women and you need to respect their boundaries. He never yeah, says there's that. no there's no mention of consent or anything like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and sure enough, like a kid with Superman's powers, it all goes horribly wrong. You know, um, and and he thinks that the world owes him something, and I thought some of that, if if there was any nuance to be found in in the film, I thought it was it was with that stuff yeah yeah it, it made me think of, of smallville in particular and i remember those scenes in season one where clark would be watching lana with the telescope and yeah. i was like you know at the time it's really kind of you know there's nice soft music and you know he looks like tom welling so he can you know and mm. it's all lovelorn and then i was watching this and i was like hmm that's yeah kind of fucked up. that's kind of <laughs> fucked up and you know like if she really doesn't like this guy at all it's really fucking fucked up yeah, because yeah. like how do you stop this guy from you know perving but clark on you is handsome on you. and he's the hero and he's the you know yeah yeah king of the story or whatever like it, it, absolutely yeah you, you got to tread carefully with all that stuff and it it is it, it's a thing i come up against like it's the same with um batman in a lot of ways like th- these are wish fulfillment characters and people can read them the wrong way and think oh well then if 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 superman is the hero then maybe i'm the hero and anything i say goes <laughs> you know like there's you have to yeah it's really you know (laughs) this is probably going to sound really stupid but it's really uh, encapsulated well in the animated movie megamind where uh, there's a hero the hero uh i can't remember his name ultraman or wonder man wherever it is and he fakes his own death spoiler and the it's basically the the lex luthor character becomes the hero of the story but in the interim he decides that because he's he's killed the superman character that he'll create a new superman character to fight and he basically picks that universe's version of jimmy olsen 
and gives Jimmy Olsen superpowers. And it goes terribly wrong because he's an entitled prick. And as soon as he has powers, he just starts taking what he wants and doing what he wants. And, you know, he can't understand why he's the hero and Lois Lane doesn't love him and all that kind of stuff. Very kind of similar to to to, to this. But um, I wanted to ask you about the costume. I thought the yeah. costume was unusual. Oh, man. Uh, it was. It is very unusual. And going back to what we were saying earlier on about them copying everything from Superman, um, which, which I, I, by the way, I don't consider it a ripoff in a in a derogatory sense. Like they were actively trying to do the Legend of Superman as a horror movie, so that's that's fair enough. The costume is interesting because the mask he wears is clearly the blankets that he came to Earth in. Did you not catch that? I never caught that. I was like, because what the fuck is with the blanket? Because you see, there's a flashback scene, or it's kind of a nightmare mixed with a flashback where Elizabeth Banks is holding the baby in the blanket and it's the same thing that becomes the mask later on which obviously is another like direct reference to superman because in all of various versions of superman the costume is made from the the blankets he came uh, in 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 the spaceship so that was another like really specific thing that they took but um i i did think that was kind of an interesting way to do it it's like that this thing that we associate with superman as being wholesome and like a part of his his lineage and uh, part of Krypton that he always carries with him and all that kind of stuff. But it was still made by Martha and it's this lovely thing. And in this, it's kind of warped into this, like it, it, just this sort of slasher killer mask. I, I, it was an interesting idea. Yeah, I kind of liked it. Yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed the look of it. I thought it was menacing and threatening and stuff. I never got the blanket thing. Well picked up on that. Um, the gore, the kills in like, can I actually, yeah. can I tell you, I have a really embarrassing uh, story to tell you actually, Alan, and I, I told seriously this when we were watching the film. <laughs> so when I was but a boy uh, running around the living room watching Lois and Clark and Superman the Animated Series, I had a Superman play suit, like so many of us did, and I think I got it when I was four, but I continued wearing it until I was like mm, seven, maybe a bit too old to be wearing it, and it, I, I grew out of it, and I it just busted right open you know that big old seven-year-old booty i had just you know it's getting getting too big for my superman suit so it was it was too big and it just started to fall apart and um by then the spider-man cartoon was on and i really wanted to dress up as spider-man and my mum took the busted briefs from the Superman costume and fashioned a Spider-Man mask out of them. I love so it. So I was running around wearing this Spider-Man mask out of Superman's ass. I and, love it. And this kid wearing this ridiculous blanket mask thing just immediately transported me back to that. <laughs> and I told Saoirse this and she just like fell off the couch. Oh man. Is there a photo? Yeah, there has to be a photo. God, I, I'll there have to look. To there might be a photo somewhere. Yeah, I'll find it for you. Do kids wear homemade costumes anymore or is it all just down to Smith's for 20 quid? I I don't know. Yeah, they're they're, they're sort of like the the costumes you get in, you get superhero costumes everywhere now. Like when I was a kid, you could only get them really in in special toy shops. Whereas now you get them in the supermarket and you get them in, you know, any clothes shop, the kids section will have these places. So I I would assume probably not. I I remember I had a a Batman Returns Batman, like the black suit. And unlike today. Rich kid over here. Yeah, baby. Unlike uh, unlike today, it's they they don't they never had this kind of I hate that in like even like the ones I get for Lana Jean, the costumes, they all have these kind of muscle padded things. Didn't have that. There is is a photo of me with my dog wearing it. I don't know where it is, but I have to find it. And I had a, a Superman one too which I adored. I can almost still smell it coming out of the box, how much I love this thing. Yeah, but that was Um, probably the same one I had, yeah. 
I want to talk about the kills because you can't talk about a horror film without having the kills in it. Um, you know, there's not a well, there is a huge body count because he downs a plane. But uh, in in terms of the kills that we actually see, what do you think of those? Okay, um, very sort of like similar enough stuff to what you'd see on like the boys or whatever. A lot of lot of heat vision, a lot of kind of people getting their faces melted off. Uh, the glass and the eye freaked me out a bit when she was the, taking glass, the glass. The glass and the eye did freak me out. Yeah, that, that that was good, and I liked the one with the car just because it was an inventive use of flying. He he lifts up a guy's car, and the, we see it from the perspective of the guy trapped in the car. He's played by Basher from Breaking Bad. Great actor. And uh, the, he eventually drops the card. It's really, again, $7 million. Insane. That scene alone looks like it cost $7 million. His entire jaw kind of impales on the steering wheel and comes yeah, off. And it's that, a bit that's, CG. That's what I was talking about earlier on, though. Yeah, like it's it's shitty CGI. And it's like uh, they could have just done a less ambitious thing with practical effects. And it would have been way more interesting what to look at, I think. What I loved about that scene was, so this guy basically plays his uncle, I think. And he, uh, Clark Brandon goes over to the house to kill the wife, who's yeah. his teacher. And the the guy finds him and gets into his uh, van and takes off. And Brandon stops him. But I love the scene where Brandon stops in front of the uh, of the the truck he's driving. He's kind of floating in the air, and the guy driver's like, "Nope, nope, nope, yeah. nope." <laughs> I was like, "That's he's exactly." Really he was like, "Nope, I'm not having this. Not nope. happening." <laughs> <laughs> it actually reminded me of the film No, where you're just like, nope. <laughs> yeah. uh, made me laugh. Um, it was good in it as well, actually. Yeah, good, good cast. No, no, good no cast. complaints about the cast, actually. Even the kid who is kind of wooden in it, but I think the character is meant to be like that. He's meant to be like a little psychopath um, who doesn't really emote or engage, or and he can turn it on. Like he comes home at one point and he kind of he's feigning that he was bullied and they stole his shirt and it's you know he's 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 trying to be all you know poor me and Jonathan Kent doesn't believe him and eventually look, good good bullshit acting which is which is yeah. a difficult thing to get right like he's he's pretending to be pretending yeah and which, that's what which is kind that's of what makes me think that the, the rest of his kind of deadpan stuff is 100% intentional that that's the yeah. way the character is meant to be portrayed um we, look we, we can talk spoilers but look it's, it's well, been out for you kind of spoiled a bit yeah. already but yeah um so Jonathan eventually realizes this kid is a psycho and takes him out uh, to deer hunt for the weekend and shoots him in the back of the head with a rifle and it doesn't go well brandon uh, late uh, heat visions his face out um yeah look the kill was was fine but i i liked that entire scene that you know jonathan kent you know obviously has has raised this kid and loves this kid but he knows what has to be done and he gets there before elizabeth banks and it's when they're on the on this trip that elizabeth banks finds the notebook which has documented all the kills he's done before this and she realizes that jonathan was right the whole time um and that the sheriff was right good kill there well very much like the boys but to be fair they probably did it first where the sheriff's coming up to the door and he he just slams through him and he just explodes all over the deck of the of the of the house um but like th- there was no point in it where i thought like i really think that the strong elements of this film are elizabeth banks and david denmark like i thought they sold it probably sold it more than what was on the page i would have thought like brought more to it than what was on the script yeah i would agree and I, also i just think the look of the film sold it like it it looks like of a it looks like it could be part of the Snyderverse. Like it's filmed very similar way, and the shots, the style, the score, and it, ha- the f- it has the it has the Hans Zimmer kind of you know piano 
cues throughout it and different. I was like, oh, that is very close to the Man of Steel cue. Really enjoyed that. Absolutely. And, you know, the special effects, like all the flying, like they, they kind of, you know, it's a horror movie. So, so he's not flying around like Superman. Like they, they, they kind of show him in flashes and you occasionally see him flying around and it's it's done really convincingly and really well. And, you know, I just can't get over $7 million. It's insane. And there is a little bit of um, wire work in there, like actual, there's there's bits where he's kind of dangling and he's sort of hovering in the air and it looks like they did that with wires and they do that really well. Um, so, yeah, like the, the, they, they accomplish a lot. I, I think, though, you're absolutely right. The, 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 the story just peters out really, really quickly. Like, I think it's, it's pretty much because all the kind of traditional Superman stuff happens in the first like 15 or 20 minutes. And then it sort of takes a turn and it's still it's still sort of semi-interesting for another 15, 20 minutes. And then after that, it's kind of just nothing. It's just Superman going around kind of killing a handful of people um, and nothing really substantial or interesting happens. I, going back to what you're saying about the evil Jor-El, by the way, I meant to say this. So not only is this kind of lifting all the elements from Superman, it's specifically lifting the whole Superman movie idea that Jor-El sort of arrives and tells him all this stuff. Like, because obviously in other versions, Superman doesn't know he's an alien or anything until he's actually Superman and that finds all that out later on. In this, it's like Jor-El telling him, like Russell Crowe or Marlon Brando, oh no, yeah, this, 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 and this. And we're we're not we're not really privy to their conversation, but like it's it it sounds like it was much the same. Um I just thought that was interesting. Like they're they're specifically taking movie Superman. Uh, for this parody they're doing, which is, I just thought it was fun. And I, I really got Smallville vibes throughout as well. Did you, like, And I mean, the movie's called Brightburn, which is effectively the Smallville of this yeah. movie. It's named after the, it's like, and I only copped that when the when the cop has his, when the squad car says Bright, Brightburn County. I don't know if it's mentioned before that. I must have missed it before that. Um, yeah, and I, I, yeah, as in Smallville, the show, like, because... Like the the way the story is structured is very similar to like early Smallville meteor freak type things where, you know, the sheriff coming to the house and interviewing the parents and the parents saying, oh, I don't know anything about that. Like there's loads of kind of freak of the week episodes of Smallville where those exact scenes happen. Um, and even the the logo, the Brightburn or the um, Brandon Bailey logo, a Brandon Breyer logo, it looks very similar to that sort of Kryptonian a figure of eight version of the S-Shield that you see in the early seasons of Smallville. Um, and obviously James Gunn is friends with Michael Rosen, so maybe he'd like, you know, there, there's just loads of those kind of little similarities um, to the show Smallville that I, I, I thought were interesting as well, even though, like, the cinematic style of the movie is very Snyder. Um, just thought that was interesting as well. I thought the Martha Kent kill scene was effective where, like you said, she, he tries to kill her and then he just grabs her and brings her up to the barn roof you know, a few thousand feet and then drops her. I thought that was effective. And then he, he throws it. Well, you don't see it. It's kind of off screen. And he dumps a, a 757 on the house. Oh, the, the flying her up into the sky and dropping her reminded me a lot of uh, Miracle Man. He does that exact thing with the, the nemesis of that story, whose name escapes me. I think it's Dr. Zarathustra or something like that. And the whole, the, he basically gets to the point where he just flies into space with this guy and, uh, the guy's like, oh, you'll never kill me, Miracle Man, or whatever. He just drops him. Uh, it reminded me a lot of that. And I think in the Injustice games, Superman's special move is that. And it's obviously evil Superman in those games. So he flies you up into space. And I think he drops you, but then he catches you again and then throws you into the ground or something. 
uh, very, very reminiscent of those. Uh, there's a bit of world building in the credits at the end with a cameo from uh, Michael Rooker uh, in which he does, you know, he speaks of other characters. He speaks of like a, an evil Aquaman character and some kind of a witch who's hanging people with ropes and stuff. I thought that was, you know, where they you kind of go and this is kind of an, you know, an inverse Justice League that they could branch this out if it took off maybe or maybe it was just a, an Easter egg kind of a thing. But I appreciated that. Did you spot in the far left corner? Did you see who that was? No. So in the far left corner, you can see um, the character from the movie Super, which is the Rain Wilson uh, kind of vigilante type uh, uh, action comedy, um, if you want to call it an action comedy. Um, and that was that was directed by James Gunn. Uh, so I think that's them saying that this is part of the same universe, basically. Um, that that that's an interesting. I'd be interested to see what you think of that film as well. That that that's an inter- It's a, also kind of d- deals with a lot of the same sort of like toxic masculinity aspects of superheroes and how just because this is a fun thing to read about, maybe it's not necessarily something you should do. <laughs> but um, Rain Wilson is great in it. Yeah, um, I love Rain Wilson. Definitely check that out. Um, I don't think we'll bother giving it like stars or anything like that. It's a curioso if you if you are a Superman fan and you're a horror fan, it's worth checking out. If you're a horror, you know, hardcore horror fan, it's not going to do much for you, I don't think. Um, like you said, you know, you can watch the trailer and pretty much pick out what it is. But it is, I have to say, it th- there was deeper elements to it in in terms of the parents than I thought that I was going to get from 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 Viper. What do you think about James Gunn's involvement in it or how, you know, I'm not saying that it, you know, it would have an effect on legacy or anything like that, but what do you think yeah. about the fact that he's kind of been involved in a Supermanish movie before? I th- yeah, I think that's interesting. I mean, he's obviously very heavily involved in kind of schlock horror and stuff like that and he worked for Trauma for years, so like it makes sense that he would be involved in something like this and um you know, it, he's not the first Superman director to be involved in horror movies and stuff like that. So I think it's interesting. And if anything, if he can make something that's so completely unlike Superman, then it it stands to reason that he must have something of an understanding of what Superman should be actually like. Because this is like the direct inverse of Superman. It it isn't like a a half measure or anything like that. It's literally the opposite. So therefore, it stands to reason that he should be able to do the. Op- I think I might be wrong in that. Like, might be terribly wrong, but like it, it's different to something like Snyder, where there's loads of just little bits that aren't quite right. That this is completely wrong, in a way that I think that was intended by the filmmakers. So, I it doesn't it, it doesn't frighten me that he made this film and now he's gonna make Superman Legacy into something similar. I don't think it'll be that at all. Yeah, um, if anybody wants to check it out, I checked it out using a VPN on. I think it's on US Netflix. If anybody wants to check mm. it out, most of our listeners are in the US, so they should be able to find it pretty handy. Um, and let us know your thoughts on it. anything else before we finish up, Rob. Not really. I and I would say I completely agree with everything you said. I think it is worth a watch, especially if you're a Superman fan. And look, it's Halloween. It's it's a, it's not even an hour and a half long. It's 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 about an hour twenty four twenty five. Because the credits, I think, add another whatever. So it, I, I definitely think it's it's an interesting little film. It did not cost any money, apparently. So I think that in itself helps me overlook a lot of the kind of issues I had with it. Whereas, you know, these movies that cost $300 million, let's rip them apart if they're not good. Whereas this this didn't cost anything. So, it, it you know, you can give it a little bit more of a pass for that. So I think it's definitely, it's an interesting movie. It's certainly not an interpretation of the Superman mythos that I would uh, subscribe to, but I think it's, I'm glad it exists and I really enjoy talking about it. 
yeah me too um yep that's brightburn everybody check it out if you want to or don't we don't really care um um, so uh, this episode is actually uh, dropping you know sometimes we record the episodes and they're not uh, released in sequential order but this one is going to be one of the next ones that we release obviously because we wanted it out before october so we're coming to the end of the year and we have uh, some more great episodes before we wind up 2023 um, including our annual christmas special we've got a great episode in november Remember our Superman 2 Ultimate Cut episode. Oh, that, that, that's out. honestly one of our best episodes ever, I think. I'm really looking forward to putting yeah, that Yeah, uh, with us. Uh, and, you know, we, we have... So we won't... I don't know if I gave the guests away on socials before, but we won't give the guests away. But we, we've got some great guests in for that chat. Um, for Superman 2, the Ultimate Cut, which, again, yeah, I listened back to it there recently and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, if there's anything else you want to say, Rob, before we go, or if not, if you want to take us out. Will we do a mailbag now, or will we do oh, 100%, again? Oh, 100%, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do it, yeah. Uh, I wanted to mention as well um, our Lois and Clark uh, 30 year anniversary episodes uh, when we were doing them we were over and back kind of going do we need to do two of these like are anybody going to care is anybody going to listen it, those two episodes are two of our most downloaded episodes ever uh, and we like which completely blew me away looking at the figures I was like is the site broken like I was like what's it, going on it just means everybody uh, loves Dean Cain Rob everybody loves Dean Cain I was <laughs> I, I genuinely I was so humbled by that it was insane and we've gotten more correspondence from that episode than I think for, especially from new people who don't weren't previously listening to the show and we we've really thought like it, that was kind of one for us yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and the handful of hardcore uh, Lois and Clark fans that we know and love, like Matt and Daniela and stuff, we really thought like that was going to be just for us. But yeah, really, it's been mind blowing. And the, the amount of people who who signed up for uh, Lois and Clark, the legacy on Facebook since that as well has been great. Um, I th- There was two very significant uh, emails we got. And I, I, I want to read one and I'd say if you want to read the other one, w- w- one of them, um, a, a woman reached out to us on our Instagram by the name of Rachel. And she says, hi, just listened to your Lois and Clark episode and really enjoyed it. Believe it or not, there are people still discovering the show, like me and my sister. We've been blasting through the show and just finished season two. Speaking to the generational impact, my mom and aunt were also fans and they would watch it together when it aired in the Philippines. Funny how that worked. You don't really see TV like it anymore, much less a superhero show like it. It truly is for the girls and the gays. And like you said in the podcast, it covers things that even the comics don't do enough of like the strong focus on Lois, journalism, building up Metropolis, etc. Perhaps this is blasphemy, but I personally can take or leave the cosmic stuff and love how relatively grounded it is. Really, really like that. And she she, she sent us a couple of follow-up um, messages as well, talking about how, you know, that th- there's a very similar kind of vibe with Lois and Clark to a lot of what you would see in anime and manga and how that those types of... Um, the stories you get in anime and manga will all, often deal with sort of love stories and have kind of a slower pace and, and, and deal with things in a way that might appeal to women less so than men. And, and just really, really interesting observations. And she sent me a couple of things about um, when it aired in the Philippines, it was in English. Uh, and, you know, she just picked up on a lot of stuff. And, and the fact that Dean Kane was of Asian descent, she even thought he was Filipino at one stage. And she, she found that really interesting that they were being represented in, in, in such a big mainstream show and just really really interesting observations and uh i you know i I think that's the farthest we've ever received a message from the philippines uh we we get a lot we get a lot of correspondence from america a lot from the uk but that's 
that that was one of the most interesting letters we ever got i think so th- th- thanks for thanks for writing that rachel um and we have one from uh, daniel mardle as well it's a it's a long one i'll, I'll read it out because you know we, yeah. we ask people to send these in and uh, i like to you know to take the time uh, hi guys uh, i'm a lifelong superman fan here from the uk who's of the same age group as yourselves i only started listening recently having discovered via twitter and at why not podcast and the LMC retrospective was my third episode as I had to dive right into that one. I listened to it all in one go without meaning to on a sleepless night. It grabbed me Amazing. that much and it was that emotional to hear uh, to hear others love this show as much as I do. Yeah, and that was something, it really was, those two episodes were a real love letter to, to the show and I'm really proud of those episodes. That's why uh, I thought nobody would like them. <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, I was nine when it started and up to that point had been well and truly weaned on the movies but when this came along it near enough supplanted them as my go-to fix for Superman for the duration of its run I taped it off the TV and watched it religiously for the years it was on it was what Saturday nights were all about in the 90s amen to that we were all in that boat Um, I tuned in for the repeats here and there over the years until I lost all touch with it for about a decade and then found myself watching the odd episode here and there and the run up to Batman v Superman. Boo. Uh, and after that film came out, I was desperate for a proper Superman fix again to remind myself to remind myself of why I loved this character so much. I was also in an unusual place in my life at the time. I packed in my job and my whole life and gone traveling the world alone for over a year. And this was the best comfort viewing for me at the time. Very Clark Kent, Daniel. Yeah. You know, traveling the world, you know, suitcase well done sir uh, Lois and Clark were the first couple I ever shipped before I even knew that was a term though admittedly uh, that stems from the source material I will happily go to bat for the last two seasons if no one else will surely they had their missteps but they don't include Lois finding out the secret and them getting married uh, it was the only way for them to go one more season of her not knowing would have probably finished the show off a lot sooner I agree with that I agree with that um, and I think the point we made in the in the episode, it's it's the fact that the dating period was so quick is more so was more so the issue than than anything else. Um, and four seasons was a good place to stop without overstaying its welcome. It's a shame the last few episodes were a real whimper when I think the first two thirds of season four are quite solid. I think the main reason it's fallen into obscurity a little bit is largely the lack of exposure. Here in the UK, it was still on regular repeats for at least a decade after it finished. Now we're hard pressed to find it on a streaming platform these days without having to buy it. And that's true. You can't get it streaming in Ireland. Um, I don't know about the rest of Europe, unless you have a VPN and you watch it on um, HBO Max or the Max. So uh, I, I think in the UK, you can buy this, the uh, HD episodes on Amazon in, in digital. Like you can, you can buy them as digital downloads, but digital downloads aren't available to us on Amazon for some reason. Uh, because we are not part of the UK, everybody. I know I keep saying that. Um, but yeah, and then I know Daniela was saying on our episode that you can buy them on digital download in Austria, but it's not the HD versions. It's it's the standard, standard. version, which is such a shame. It's yeah, point, like I'm I'm no still sense. working off my old 2006 box sets. Like it's it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but with superheroes being all the rage. Uh, excuse me on the big on the big and small screens now many people might say this looks very tame and of its time and very soapy rom-com-esque compared to what we have today very true i think it will have its renaissance one of these days hopefully when superman legacy arrives wb will see fit to show it some attention and if james gunn takes anything away from this that would be perfect as i agree the modern blueprint is right here Uh, i'm all for different takes but this remembered uh, i'm all for different takes but this remember that Superman is meant to be anyone's friend and someone anyone could look up to and we all need that in our lives. Whereas That's I a think lovely way to put it. It's a lovely way to put it, yeah. Uh, whereas I think the you-know-what will just become a 
bit of a minor trivia as time goes on <laughs> and past most people by okay um i know i've gone on a lot here but i just had to share with you guys i'm looking forward to catching up in the rest of the podcast and i've just recently started listening to matt's pod as well excellent guys if you if you're listening to this episode because of our lois and clark check out uh matt's uh, podcast the um Lois, Lois and Clark, the new podcast of Superman, and we we both pop up on it here and there, especially towards the end. Yeah, yeah, it's look ten out of ten, one of my favorite podcasts of all time. Uh, check it out. It's and what the work that Matt put into that, I I absolutely love it. Um, yeah, so so check out uh, Lois and Clark, the new podcast of Superman. Uh, so thank you for preparing me for some of the later episodes. Much love, Dan. Uh, I have to say that yeah that's thank you so much dan for sending that that in. was another one i was like wow that was just so heartfelt and so kind of interesting and great observations and it just really hit home i was like wow there's actually there's actually people listening to this and uh yeah no the, 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 those two letters really really appreciated those so thanks for writing those guys yeah and guys if you if you want to send in more like we love getting the 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 emails we've never gotten a voice note yet but we keep plugging for the voice note send us a voice note oh well have we gotten a voice notes we've we've gotten we've gotten a few yeah we have gotten a few from michael and and playing a few next that's right from uh from some of the guys in relation to the superman 2 thing so uh actually i i forgot i i definitely credited him on the episode but thanks again to mark witherspoon who is a recent convert to this show and he uh, was a big Lois and Clark fan back, back in the day and he sent us all that footage that we were posting on our Twitter and it was that was another thing I posted some of those clips that he sent us on our Twitter and they got they were they, there was people I was getting notifications in the middle of the night from all these people liking and retweeting it and stuff it was amazing um, and I, I didn't even get a chance to post them all there's still a few left that I might post if people aren't completely sick of Lois and Clark um so so thanks again mark and if anybody has weird little video clips like that what not not just lois and clark like any old sort of superboy stuff or superman movie stuff from the 80s or anything like that that you'd like to share with us please like let us know or or, or weird ads or you know action figure stuff or anything like that just just we'd love to love to see anything like that so feel free you, you have our socials and our emails and all that kind of stuff excellent guys again you can follow us on facebook and instagram at all-star superfan on twitter i refuse to call it x at all-star super pod and you can send your email and voice notes to us uh, at all-star super pod at gmail.com if you want to be in our next metropolis mailbag rob it's been a pleasure my friend happy halloween <laughs> happy halloween everybody take care stay safe stay super bye bye Anything can happen on Halloween Your dog could turn into a cat There may be a toad in your bass guitar Or your sister could turn into a bat Christmas time brings the snow Summertime brings the sun But on Halloween your blood begins to run Something spooky is going down Better than a video Gremlin's gonna mess up Every cassette from London to Idaho April 1st Can be fun New Year's Eve Is a bore But on Halloween Your flesh begins To grow Oh I'm losing control Chuck could be 
a sardine Your dentist could turn into a queen Has anybody seen my tambourine? I may start playing thick in the beginning The craziest night you've ever seen This hair 